If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Psalms 139. I'm going to start at verse 13. Just going to read a few verses. For I was formed in my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul that my soul knows very well. My frame, my bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet formed, and in your book they were all written. The days were fashioned for me when yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. I love these two verses. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with you. Now this isn't my sermon. Can you imagine that? The creator of the heavens of the earth thinks of you and I. I mean, when I think of the fact that the creator of heaven and earth thinks of me, and the psalmist said, you think of me so often that if I were to count your thoughts, they'd be like the grains of the sea. Grains of the sea. That's, that's, that's pretty awesome. I, I just can't fathom God thinking about me that much. I mean, you know, but he does. But what I want to start with today is back in... Verse 15, it says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. The days were fashioned for me when there was yet none of them. Now, a lot of people take that to mean predestination. Let me tell you something. That is not. That has nothing to do with predestination. Let me tell you what it is. The psalmist here, which is David, is talking about God seeing us serving him. Serving him. And understand that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But we have a choice. Let me give you an example. When I went to Africa a couple of years ago, I got on a plane in uh, Billings, and it flew to Denver, flew to Dulles in D.C., flew to Abbas Nababa, which was um, the capital of Ethiopia, and then it flew to Kentire, the capital of Malawi. Now, according to the tickets, when I got on that plane in Billings, according to the ticket and the, 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 the president of Healing Hope Missions, I was predestined to go to Malawi. But at any point in, in Denver, in Dulles, and Addis Ababa, I could have gotten off the plane and said, I don't want to go any farther. I'm going to go home. I had a choice. Well, it's the same thing with God. In other words, God, the Bible says that God would that none perish, that all come to repentance. And what the Lord is talking about here in Psalm 139 is that God sees us serving him. 
And so when we're made, God has put within us certain gifts and abilities. Now turn with me to Romans chapter 12, would you please? Understand that in context of Psalm 139, it's God saying, when you serve me, I've got a plan for your life. Now I want you to go to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 3. Romans 12, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Let me say this about the faith. It's not only faith, saving faith, in other words, it's faith so that when you hear the message of salvation, you can come to know the Lord, but it's also faith so that you can begin to carry out the gifts or the abilities that God has put in you. Let me go on. For as we have many members in one body, but also the members do not have the same function. For we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. The word body is one of those words that although it depicts one entity, it has multiple parts. A good part of that would be troop. You say troop, but a troop has a lot of people involved in it. Do you see what I'm saying? You say a marriage. Well, that could be a husband and a wife. That's two people. And this is what he's saying. Now look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And then he lists seven gifts. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, these gifts, these abilities, are the things that you are born with in the natural that motivate you that drive you, that, that make you, motivate you in life to do what you do. And my purpose this week and for the next couple weeks is not to give you a PhD in the Bible or in, how the, in the body of Christ, but I want to help you to understand what motivates you in life. Why do I do certain things? Why do some people like this but other people like this? What is it? And then how does that fit into the body of Christ when I become a Christian? And how does that work? And then how does that mature? And in each of these seven gifts, okay, uh, it also gives you instructions how to use them. Now the word gifts, look at, let's go back and look in, in verse 6. Having then gifts. That comes from the Greek word charisma. And it's the Greek word, it comes from the root word care, and it means to grant as a favor. These gifts that God gives you are embedded in your spirit man at the time of your natural birth. That's what it is. And you're born with one or more of these gifts or these abilities inside of you. And these are the gifts that stir you, that make you want to do the things that, these are things that we inherently respond to. 
Why do some, I know a, a family up north of Glasgow, there's four brothers. And two of them just love farming. They hate, right? They have a huge, huge outfit. But two of them love farming, but they hate ranching. But the two, the other two, they love ranching and they hate farming. And you got to pull teeth. What is it? And even though we're not serving God, these gifts and these abilities are within us and they stir us. It's just if we're not serving God, we're not getting the most out of these gifts that we could be getting. Or they might be leading us into a wrong occupation. They might not. You might be in the occupation that God has for you. But if you're not serving God, you're not getting the most out of it. And you're not using them like God would have you to use them. And so, and in each one of these seven gifts, the Bible gives us instructions as to how they are to be used. And so, I want to take some time today and I want to explain these gifts. And then uh, I want to, next week, if the Lord willing, I want to show you how they fit into the body of Christ. And so let's start. So then having, verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy, okay? If prophecy. Now, this could mean the office of a prophet. Now, again, I'm not going to go real deep into these, but I'm going to cover them for you. This could mean the, the office of a prophet, or it could mean that an individual ha in the Holy Spirit could give a prophecy in private to one-on-one -on -one or, or uh, in the church. But understand that prophecy, New Testament prophecy, is not about speculating or forecasting the future. It's not. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 14 real quick. 1 Corinthians 14. You know, you get into things like prophecy and that, and it's, you know, and, and I realize they've been misused. I realize that there's some people that, you know, oh, I'm a prophet. Of, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm a prophet of God. Yeah. Uh, no. Okay, now let's look at 1 Corinthians 14. And I want to go to verse 3. Notice this. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. That's what prophecy is about. Edification, building others up. Exhortation, incurring one another, encouraging one another, prodding them to good works. Comfort, lifting other people up. And so... This might show up if somebody has that gift inside of them. This might show up as somebody who's always doing and saying things that encourages other people. Or lifts them up or comforts them. This might be what's inside of them. And then notice what it says. If we have the gift of prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. What he's talking about there is number one, Bible maturity. In other words, knowing how, when, and where to give prophecy. We have all seen, we've all been in, or I'm sure we have, we've been in services where the gifts have been misused and the flow of the, the, the service has been disrupted. Okay, remember 1 Corinthians 14.3 and we've seen uh, where false prophets have come on the scene and caused people to kill themselves and give me all your money and such like that. You know, we've seen that. Okay? 
and in proportion to our faith means to be exercised in accordance with biblical maturity and number two recognizing that the gift of prophecy comes from God it's not something we can conjure up true prophecy comes from God and it's for edification exhortation and comfort and it's always in line with the Word of God. So some people may have that. And it, again, it might show up in somebody who's always trying to build people up or lift them up or speak the Word of God to them. Let's go on. Okay, so we have the gift of prophecy or ministry. Let it use it in our ministry. Now, the ministry gift is a special creative gift that enables people to service the body of Christ effectively in a physical way. That's what the ministry gift is. And this might show up as somebody that's always trying to help somebody. Oh, are you moving G with? Can I get you a trailer? Let me help you. Oh, let me help you with that. That's what the ministry gift is. And I'll show you later on how it shows up in the body of Christ. But it's someone that's always trying to help somebody. Oh, so-and-so sick. Oh, gee, let me go over there and see if I can wash their clothes for them. That's what the ministry gift is. And the Bible says, notice this, or ministry, let it use us in our ministering. That word ministering means it actually comes from the root Greek word, means to run errand, and it means a servant or to aid. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Remember what Jesus said? Become a servant of all. That's what he said. And so ministering, Jesus said, I come to minister. And so there are people who simply have that gift of ministering. It means an attendant or so. And they're just always wanting to help people. Now, let's go on. He who teaches in teaching. Are you all here this morning yet? Nobody's asleep, right? Okay, good. Because this is why a lot of people do things. I never realized for years why I did some of the things I did. But when I came to know the Lord and began to study the Word of God, then it became clear. And I thought, you know, God, that's really not fair. I mean, you put this in me, and this is what motivates me. And uh, then all of a sudden you came to me about your goodness and your mercy and your grace. And boy, I never understood all of this. But that's what motivates us. Okay, let's go on. In teaching... He who teaches in teaching. Now, this teaching, if somebody has a teaching inside of them gift, those are those who instruct or teach the truth of God's word. It could be in church. It could be in Sunday school. It might be in a Bible study, a home group. It might be in a business. Or good parents have the gift of teaching. They instruct their children well. Pastors. We'll learn this later on. A pastor is the office, but teacher is his function. A pastor needs to be a good teacher. Or it could be those not only who teach the Word of God, but it might be those who teach in a public school or a private school or a school of higher learning. And they can still be Christians. Understand that. It's just that they have that gift of teaching. They always want to teach. They always want people to learn. And this would uh, might show up in good supervisors in a business. Or um, it might show up in a foreman. Somebody, you know, when you go to work in a business, someone that takes the time to 
to show you, not just say, well, there it is, go ahead and do it and walk off and leave you. And notice what it says. He who teaches in teaching. Now the word teaching is different from that word teaches. Teaching actually means instruction in the Greek. And teaching is different from preaching. Teaching is more, or exhorting, teaching is more structured. You have outlines, you have point by point. That's what teaching is. Now, it doesn't have to be boring. Teaching does not have to be boring. Yes, we've all had teachers who were boring, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, in Isaiah chapter 28, when he was talking about teaching the people, he said it's going to be precept upon precept, line upon line. What does it mean? Uh, one thing at a time. And then let them eat that and then go. See, you can't do multiplication if you don't understand addition and subtraction. Maybe in the new math you can, I don't know, but... Uh, you know, you can't. And so, a teacher in teaching, not preaching, teaching. There are times when I preach. Now, let's go on. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation. Now, this is people that apply the word of God, uh, the truth of God's word through encouragement. Reassurance, help. They, they, they try to cheer everybody up. You know what I'm saying? In other words, they're the ones that, oh, hey, listen, it's not so bad. Don't worry about it. Uh, they always want to give an, a word of encouragement. And notice what it says. He who exhorts in exhortation. The word exhortation there actually comes from the Greek parakletes. That means to call alongside, to comfort, to help. In other words, and it's the same word that Jesus uses when he talks about the Holy Spirit dwelling within you when you become a Christian. He's a paraclete. In other words, he comes alongside. In other words, he comes, you didn't know, but sitting up front, it's dangerous, but he said, hey, how you doing? You doing okay today? Great, you know what? Boy, that looks good. That, that's what he does. That's what an exhorter does. They always want to encourage. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what he does. An encourager. And the word, notice it says this. He who exhorts an exhortation. It might show up in a, um, a life coach, a counselor, a motivational speaker. I remember one time many years ago, there was a motivational speaker. What was his name? Very famous. And he was speaking at a company and uh, some lady came up to him and said, they pay you a nice little penny to say all those uplifting things, huh? And he said, no ma'am, they don't. They pay me a nice big penny to do this. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, encouraging. And that's what an exhorter does. And it's just someone, and you know people like that. They've always got just the good words, you know. And then, Okay, next is give. He who gives with liberality, gives. That carries the connotation of anonymously. Remember when Jesus was speaking, he said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. This gift is those who are gifted to contribute to the emotional, physical support of others. These are people who anonymously um, well, maybe you see a family in need, and um, 
uh, we'll go ahead and help them without them knowing it. Maybe we'll just um, give them a check for their rent or something like this. Um, I think I told you the story about the poor old widow woman who didn't have any groceries and she was praying, oh Lord, I don't know what I'm going to eat for supper tonight and there's no groceries, but Lord, I trust you. Next door was an atheist and he heard that through the window and he thought, aha, and he went and bought about six sacks of groceries and he put it on her front porch and he knocked on the door and went and hid behind the bushes and she came out and she said, oh, praise the Lord God, look what you said. And the guy jumps out from behind the bush and says, God didn't do that, I did. And she said, Lord, I want to thank you that even if you've got to use the devil, you'll meet my needs. So, <laughs> you know, so, but, and it, it gives, it's one who, who will give to individuals, but it also, it's those who are gifted with an abundance of financial uh, abilities so they can support the work of the gospel. That's what it is. Many times they'll help missionaries or they'll help evangelists. And these are people that God has entrusted with uh, a lot of finances and they will, but they do it anonym, anonymously. And notice it says to give with liberality. That means sincerely, without dissimulation. In other words, without a false pretense or, or self-seeking. In other words, you give just simply for the glory of God is why you do it. And that's what he's talking about. And then, um, he who leads with diligence. I like this. The, the, if you have the gift of leading inside of you, these are, are those that uh, could affect, know just how to go into a place and get things done. They might see chaos. They might see things a little bit in disorder. And, and um, uh, there's a good, there's a big difference between a good teacher, a good exhorter, and a good leader. There's a difference between a good leader and a good foreman. A good foreman doesn't always make a good leader, a good administrative person. And so this leader might be a person who can, can function in, in all areas of life. They just have the ability to, to, to see what's, where the problems lie, what's the difference between a cause and an effect and there's a big difference. You know, um, sometimes somebody will get a, a blister on their foot and they take their shoe or their boot off and uh, they'll, they'll break the blister and put a bandage on and stick their foot back in there and they can't understand why they get another blister. Well, they just treated the effect. Go look in your shoe, you probably got a rock in there. Get rid of the cause. Do you see what I'm getting at? And so this is a good leader. And notice what it said, he who leads, leads with diligence. The word diligence there, um, this also might be a person, by the way, who functions in a public office, in administration, or helps run. I think we have, um, you know, people that might run want to run a city or our, our county commissioners. And the diligence comes from the Greek word speed, and it means serve with eagerness. If you don't like the job you're doing, it means one of two things. Number one, you're in the, the, the wrong job. Or number two, you might be in the wrong job, but you need to get your think, think, you need to get rid of your stinking thinking is what you need to do and just enjoy what you're doing. This would normally show up as a CEO, uh, those who own a business, a good elected officials, maybe a manager in a business. They just have the capacity to lead. 
And then we have the gift of mercy with cheerfulness. This is an individual with a, a gift of strong, they understand the emotions of people. Or there are people who will uh, work for Christian relief organizations and they don't mind, you know, just, they just want to be, they just want, oh, they just feel, you know, and so they work for Christian relief organizations and that. And they have a strong emotional feeling with, with, with others. And, but notice this, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Do you ever see somebody who was really, really wasn't a very good um, cheerful giver? Well, let me cheer you up there, sister. I know that, I know that your third cousin twice removed died and I just have come here to serve up. You know, my uncle died of that too and he just, I mean, I really cheered her up, see. It says in cheerfulness, in church, or sister, you know, when one dies, there's going to be two more. Gee, I hope, you know, that's really cheering up. I mean, you know, and the word with cheerfulness actually comes from the Greek word halarus. And it's where we get our word hilarious from. And it means joyfulness, gladness. If you're going to cheer somebody up, do it with joyfulness and gladness. Um, in primitive Bible, in, in primitive countries, Bible translators would define this Greek word halarus as the heart is laughing and the eyes are dancing. I love that. And the person with halarus lights up a, a sick, uh, saddened room with warmth and love. They just, you know, there's some people that just walk in the room and just lights up the whole room and there's other people that walk in the room and the lights just go out, you know, I mean, that's just that way. And so when you're born again, when you're born in the natural, that when you're born naturally, these gifts, God has placed these gifts or abilities in you. They energize you. They're what cause you to stir you, to motivate you, to go into a certain line of work. And you may be in that. But oftentimes in life, when we're away from God and where our relationship with the Lord is, is cold, we will be motivated by one of these gifts. But again, uh, you're, you're, you're probably not getting the most out of that gift. You'll misuse that gift for your, for your selfish reasons. You know, you might be in um, uh, the, the, the calling that God has for you. But you just, you're not getting the most out of it. Now, Proverbs 27 and 8 says this, As a bird that wanders from his nest, like a bird that wanders from his nest, is a man who wanders from his place. In other words, do you ever see a bird that you got too near its nest and it couldn't get back there? Did you ever see it? It's kind of agitated and it flip, you know, just kind of agitated and sometimes it'll dive bomb at you. Well, when you're not serving God, that's the way you are. Life just, just, God has a plan and purpose for us on this earth. And when we were born in the natural, he put in us these gifts, these abilities. And in the context of that plan, if we are faithful to God, follow God, he gives us peace and we prosper. 
But if we're not following God, then understand that we're going to be like that bird away from its nest. You know, we're going to try this and we're going to try this and on and, you know, and we keep trying different things. See? And I know that the prosperity message has been misused. I'll be the first one to say that. But God does want us to succeed in life. I mean, can you imagine me going to witness to somebody and say, well, Sister Marge, now, my car smokes. It's got ball tires. And I realize we all go through tough times, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm wearing worn-out clothes, okay? And I'm saying, now, don't you want to serve the God I serve, Marge? I mean, come on. Come on. And if, this is rhetorical, but if we don't believe that God wants us to prosper, then why do we go out and try and earn money and succeed in life? I don't, I don't want to um, run this into the ground. I'll give you a couple of quick scriptures that you can write these down. Um, Isaiah 48, 17, Isaiah 1, 19, Joshua 1, 8, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, Psalms 1, 1 through 3. These all tell us. That God wants us. Did I go too fast? Okay. <laughs> Isaiah 48, 17. Isaiah 1, 19. Joshua 1, 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. These are all scriptures telling you God wants you to succeed in life. Prosper. Now, let me show you how these gifts kind of operate. Let me give you a scenario. So, a bunch of people are sitting around and all of a sudden they learn that sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so's house has burnt down. And so, right away, the ministry gift says, oh my goodness, I'll tell you what to do. Put you and I and, and uh, Don, let's get a pickup truck and some trailers and let's see if we can go over there and save anything. Let's go help them out. That's the gift, you know, that's the giver. That's the ministry gift. I mean, you know, they, they just want to go over there and help. The giver, on the other hand, you know, he's okay with them. He doesn't want to go do that. But he says, you know what? We need to receive an offering for these folks. I'll tell you what, I'll give $100. Here, let me, you guys stand here. Everybody puts, that's the giver. I mean, they, you know, let, let's, let's see who we can call up and get some more money and help them out. That's the giver. And then you have the teacher, you know, the teacher. Oh, I wonder what happened. Well, let me go over there and find out and, and maybe we can help them so this never happens again. And I want to teach them how to prevent, doesn't matter that somebody threw a bomb in there and it exploded and that's what happened or whatever. But they're going to go over and teach them how this never happens again. They mean well, but, you know. And then you have the prophecy, the prophets, you know, they're, they're sitting back going, well, brother, sister. You know, you're on the right track. God says we need to help those in need. You know, that's the prophet. He's, you know, getting the word of God. And then you have the leads, the one with, with uh, leadership leads. That one there is saying, okay, well, listen, if you're going to receive an offering, Dennis, I'll go to the bank and set up a special account so these people can go ahead and get tax relief for what they give. And uh, you know what we need to do? Let's organize some people. So we'll get a hold of some. Ma, would you get a hold of some women? And let's get some food over to them right away. 
And, uh, you know, Gary, would you find a place where they maybe could stay for a couple of days in a wooden... That's the leader. He's in there organizing everything. And then, and, and then you have the exhorter. He's got his phone out. He's going, things aren't really that bad. Look up. God's going to help you. He's there texting him, you know, telling him, oh, everything's going to be all right. And you got the person with the mercy gift, and they're over in the corner going, oh, God, please help them. I know they're feeling so bad. But that's the way it operates. They all have a different, and they're all important to that. But that's the way it operates. Part of the body. And I'll read this scripture in a minute. But it's all needed. You know that when I want to eat, my, and I get up to go to the table, my hand has never said to my foot, I'm tired of you walking to the table. I want to walk to the table. Now we look pretty stupid walking to the table with our hands and then taking our shoes off and trying to eat with a fork with our feet. See, this is what I'm talking about. Each part of the body, and they're motivated by these gifts. Well, pastor, how can I learn what my gift is? You know, I'm glad you asked. You ask good questions. Uh, go with me to James chapter 1, real quick. Y'all still here? Okay, all right, James chapter 1. Did I say 1? Yep. I mean, Peter, no wonder it didn't look right. I'm going to give you this verse of scripture, and then there's a couple of key words. And this is not a cop-out. This is something that works. I can tell you this right now. All right? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally to all and does not criticize them. Verse 5. Now I want you to notice, verse 6 says, let him ask in faith without doubting. Okay, now let's go back to verse 5. How many of you, it does it say only the women can ask for wisdom? Does it say only the men? Does it say only people over 21? It doesn't. It says if any of you, any, it doesn't matter. Do you know how many times I've even gone to a, a, a sinner who would come to me, didn't care about God, and they're struggling, and I, I would give them this verse, and I said, you know, God said, if any of you, why don't you ask God to help you out? Well, he wouldn't listen to me. I said, you know what? God loves you whether you know it or not. He loves you. He may not agree with what you do, but he still loves you. Why don't you ask him? And I've had them come back and say, you know what? Wow, I can't believe the answer. Notice that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to who? Everyone. God's no respecter of persons. And how does he give? Generously. Generously. Well, Butch, you've had yours for today. Two lines and that's it. Sorry about that. Patty, nope, you got some yesterday. Can, no! He gives liberally. And you know what? Um, Proverbs chapter 2. The Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Notice this. He stores up. Do we have any farmers in here? Do you store up grain, Joel? 
What does that mean? Uh, wait for a rainy day. Okay, but what do you do when you store up something? You keep it safe? God stores up sound wisdom for the righteous. When you go to Him, He's already got the answer. When you come to Him, He's not going, Jerry, I didn't. That took me by surprise. I didn't know that was going to happen to you. No! When you go to Him, He goes, Yeah, I got the answer right here. Here it is. He stores up sound wisdom for the righteous. How do we become righteous? By faith in Jesus Christ. There's a difference between righteousness and holiness. You are righteous because of what Jesus Christ did for you. The Bible said we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ because of what Jesus did for us. Holiness is how I live for God. And I'll tell you what, when I appear before God, Don, I don't have a leg to stand on on my own. So you know what I'm going to do? When he asks me, I'm just going to point to Jesus. That's what I'm going to go right there. That's it. And so, do you want to know what your gift is? Ask God for wisdom. Now, he may not give it to you the first time you ask him. There might be something impeding it. You, you might have to ask, go to him more than once. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally to all men and shall be given him. Let him ask him how? What is, and what? Faith. Faith. For he who doubts is like a sea on the wave, like a wave on the wave. Let me share with you something in closing. When you were born, when you were born, <laughs> I had a kid one time ask where we got our belly buttons from. Yeah. You know, I heard a man once say, when all the babies in the world are lined up, God goes down just before they come down and he touches them in the belly and says, you're done. <laughs> that's where I've come. I don't know what that has to do with this. But, um, when you're born, God has put within you gifts, abilities, and he put them there in faith, believing that there'll come a day that you'll serve him. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. And if you're not serving God, you may be in, you may be in the occupation that God has for you, but if you're not serving God, you're not getting the most out of it. I wanna tell you, I wanna tell you this, and we're gonna pray. I've had the privilege of opening um, music shows for Merle Haggard and Hank Thompson and Charlie Pride. We were the opening acts. And sometimes there was live TV and five, six, seven hundred people there. Can I tell you the truth? And a day when the gentleman from Miramar Films came to me and said, we like the song you wrote, we'll take it. We want it for, as the lead song for our movie. You know something, Jerry? It meant nothing to me. And I was in turmoil. And you know what, Jerry? I'd rather be in Circle, Montana, teaching the Word of God because of the peace. Let me tell you something, in serving God, He's the Prince of Peace. 
when you get where God wants you to be, there will be such peace in your life. You'll enjoy it. I've been teaching the Word of God and preaching for only 48 years, and I still love it. There's just something about that. And you know what? All those times, this couldn't even match that. Those, those times back there couldn't even match this. Couldn't even match it. Let's pray. Lord, in each one here this morning, you've put an ability and a gift. And Lord, I'd ask this morning that if we're not serving you, if we're not in the place where you have us to be, that Lord, you would this morning very simply as we go our way, you would begin to show us have the Holy Spirit direct us and show us how we can, can position ourselves to receive the goodness of the Lord. And Lord, help us this morning as we leave here to go home and say, okay, God, give me wisdom. What's the gift you've given inside of me? And how do I tap into that huge resource? I'd ask you to seal the word in these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Now next week,